Our lesson this morning continues in uh, the lectionary's coverage of Matthew's gospel, where he's been walking through for, for months now. And when it gets to this point, uh, there are weeks where, I'll be honest, uh, there, there are Sundays where I'd rather it not keep going. In our reading this morning, Jesus is met by some of the Pharisees, and they try to trap him by asking whether or not it is lawful to pay taxes. Yes, a scripture lesson that dives into the two things that are the most impolite to bring up in a dinner conversation, religion and politics, as Jesus discusses the duality of believers as citizens of both an earthly kingdom and an heavenly and a heavenly one. I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from Matthew's gospel, the 22nd chapter, beginning with the 15th verse. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him in what he had said. So they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one. For you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, give therefore, the things that are the, the, give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. They left him and went away. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. As the saying goes, there are only two certainties in life, death and taxes. I've heard financial planners use this phrase to show the inevitability of and the need to plan for both. And while it is important to plan financially for one's uh, death, as Christians we know that Jesus has taken care of death for us. We know that it doesn't get the final word because in Christ we can hope for life eternal in the presence of God. Taxes, on the other, other hand, that's a different story. Jesus' exchange with the Pharisees and Herodians about taxation has puzzled generations of Christians. But let's take a look and see if it gives us some insights on what it means to be a follower of Christ today. The passage begins with Matthew narrating how the Pharisees and Herodians wanted to entrap Jesus. They wanted to test him and get him in trouble. First off, we need to note how strange it is that these two groups are in cahoots. Pharisees were actually fairly progressive for their day and were quite critical of Rome. Even more so, they're even more critical of their Jewish brothers and sisters that have cozied up to Rome, like Herod and those who are loyal to him, or as Matthew calls them, the Herodians. These two competing groups have seemed to find a common threat in Jesus. And as such, they ask him a very difficult question on taxes. Specifically, whether it is lawful, and by lawful they mean uh, according to the Torah, to pay taxes. Ah, taxes. 
whether you're liberal or conservative, Democrat or Republican or anything in between, uh, taxes are the thing all Americans love to uh, speak poorly about. There are very few common connections between cultures across continents and millennia, but let me tell you, one of the few across the board is the dislike of taxes. Our nation was even founded on a dislike of oppressive taxes levied by the British government. But there's a difference between the tax the Pharisees uh, were questioning Jesus about and the taxes that you and I uh, talk about today. And it makes the situation Jesus is in that much more complicated. First century Judea and Palestine were under Roman occupation. And as such, they had to pay Roman taxes. The taxes they paid essentially helped to continue their occupation under Roman rule. It fueled the oppressive status quo by helping cover the military costs for Rome to occupy their territory. But the injustice of it doesn't even end there. The tax the Jewish community paid to Rome required a special coin, one that bore the image of Caesar himself, who Rome considered to be a god. The Pharisees often get a bad rep, but bless them, they couldn't stand for this. And they openly considered this tax unlawful because it created an idol and placed another god before the god of Israel. But there was another group, as Matthew lets us know, those loyal to King Herod, the Roman appointed king of the Jews, who were strongly in favor of paying the tax, and not to mention the Roman soldiers throughout the area. So what all this means is that Jesus finds himself between a rock and a hard place. There isn't an answer he can provide to the Pharisees' question that will not get him in trouble. So he gives a very cryptic answer, not unlike some of the others we've seen throughout Matthew's gospel and, the other, and other passages. He says, show me the coin used for the tax. And they bring him a denarius. And he says, whose head is this and whose title? They say, the emperor's. And so he simply says, give therefore to the emperor the things that belong to the emperor, Give to God the things that belong to God. It's a safe answer to an impossible question. The Pharisees can't claim he's breaking a commandment. The Herodians can't accuse him of sedition. But be clear, Jesus isn't just avoiding the question. In it, he gives Christians a lot to think about. They're all obviously stunned, upset, confused, because Matthew is quick to tell us that they all leave immediately after Jesus' response. So Jesus says, give to the emperor things that belong to the emperor, to God the things that belong to God. Jesus recognizes the dual citizenship of followers as simultaneously being citizens of an earthly and a heavenly realm. The word he uses, give or render, as some older translations put it, here is quite interesting. In Greek, it simply means giving what's due by obligation. Here's the really subversive thing about his statement, though. Just as the coin bears the image of Caesar, each of us, in our understanding of Scripture, know that we bear the image of God. Think back to the creation story, 
when God created us in God's own image and breathed life into us. If we bear the image of God, then to whom should we give of ourselves? The question, it seems, for us today is not whether or not it's okay to pay taxes, but rather how to balance our roles as citizens of an earthly and heavenly realm. What do we render? What do we give to each of ourselves? What is needed from each? To me, this challenges us as Christians today to think about what we are to give both to our communities as citizens, but also to God. Jesus' words mean that as Christians, we cannot be indifferent to what's going on in the world around us. But it also means that our engagement with our community cannot make us forget of our ultimate allegiance to God. In fact, our Reformed Christian tradition has always acknowledged the role of government in the life of a Christian and of the Christian's role to participate in the work of government by paying taxes, holding office, and so on. Some of our predecessors in the faith even go so far as to say that God ordains secular government to maintain order, peace, and to allow the church to continue its ministry of proclaiming the gospel. So friends, what does our community call for us to give? As the passage uh, suggests, uh, perhaps it means our money, our taxes, to pay for services that make our community a safe and thriving place to live. Perhaps our community calls for us to give of ourselves in, in the work of caring for others in our midst, working to help those in need. Now, the question turns to what does God require of us to give? As Jesus' theological response would, would have us believe, that means our lives all of ourselves for the work of the kingdom because we bear the image of God. God requires of us to give of our time, our talent, our treasure, and gifts to the church to participate in ministries of justice and peace in this world. And friends, as Jesus shows, there are times when these worlds collide, when our faith beckons us to speak out against injustices in our community and world. When this happens, we must remember that our ultimate allegiance is to God, in whom we live and move and have our being, whose very image we each bear. To follow Jesus in this life means to live simultaneously as a citizen of an earthly and heavenly realm. Jesus doesn't give his followers a way out of public service or duties like paying taxes. Rather, he calls us to discern what each needs from us and to give in kind generously to each of our time, talents, and treasure. May we remember that we bear the image of God, challenging us to give fully of ourselves for the purposes of God's kingdom in this world. And friends, in this divisive, polarizing time, may we also remember that our neighbors, particularly those we disagree with, well, they bear this image of God as well. Amen.